Well, good morning. It's so good to be here with you today. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, uh, my name's Tyler, and I serve as the Rainier Campus Pastor. And as one person mentioned, and as they met me this morning, saying, way out there, way out there in the Spanaway, Fredrickson area, 11 miles away. We are so thankful to be, I know, you get the irony of that, right? Uh, we are so thankful to be a part of Life Center and what Jesus is doing through his church, both locally here in Pierce County, but to the ends of the earth. Our family has been loved and appreciated by Pastor Tyler and Amber, and today I just want to honor them and thank them for this invitation to preach here today. I'm so grateful for how Jesus is using them in this place and in this moment. And I'd encourage you, anytime you can be an encouragement to them, be that. Be that voice of faith and that voice of encouragement, letting them know that you are with them and for them and that God is continuing to do great things to this church. Amen? Amen. Well, today we continue in our series uh, called I Am, where we're journeying through the Gospel of John and we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. And there are seven statements in the Gospel of John that Jesus will declare, I am, and then he'll follow it with a word picture, an image of who he is. And, and it's, a lot of times it's following a miracle or an interaction. And, and so it's both in demonstration and then in declaration of who he is. And as he makes these statements throughout the Gospel of John, he's, he's revealing he's the Messiah, that he's God on earth, and that he's, he's come to invite people into a different way of living, and a different way of loving, and a different way of serving. But each time he makes an I am statement, he not only reveals who he is, he reveals who you can be through him, and who you can be in life with him, and each of these are evidence that leave us with an opportunity for response. You see, when you see clearly who Jesus is and his purpose to come here on earth, you can now decide who you are going to be in and through him. And so the readers, when you read the passage and the hears this day, we're left with this question. Who is this man? And who will he be to you? We've journeyed through the book of John so far, and we've seen that he declared, I am the bread of life. Talking about he is the one that can only satisfy the desires we have in this life. And now we hunger and thirst after him and him alone. Pastor Tyler shared last week, and he says, I am the light of the world. And he's the light that shines into dark places and dispels darkness and gives us hope, even in impossible situations. And now we are reflectors of that light. We carry that light with us wherever we go. And today we're going to turn to John chapter 10, and Jesus is going to make this declaration. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. And at the conclusion of, this, of, of his talk and in this moment with the people, there's this capstone verse. You might have heard it around here. It's called John 10.10. 10. Some of you are even wearing a jacket today. It's got a big dove on it, and it says life to the full. You have sweatshirts that say John 10.10, and it's, it's why Life Center exists is because of John 10.10 and, and the heartbeat behind it. It says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And this verse right here is, is the summaration of what we're going to look at here in John chapter 10, verse 1. I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles there, and let's read. It says, truly I tell you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. 
The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens it for him. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. In this dialogue and passage, Jesus is looking at a group of religious leaders, uh, uh, people following him, but in this moment too, there's a man who had been blind from birth that Jesus had just healed. And to understand truly what's going on in this passage, you've actually got to jump back to John chapter 9, where Jesus and disciples are, are walking and they encounter a man who's been blind since birth, and the disciples ask this question. Why is this man blind? Was it because of his sin or his parents? You see, in the Jewish custom and in the religious uh, thinking of that day, if someone had a, a physical challenge or disability, they thought it was a result of sin and of personal sin. And Jesus looks at him and says, neither. This man is blind so that the glory of God might be shown through him. And Jesus spits in the dirt, makes some mud, puts it on this man's eyes and tells him to take a step of faith and go and wash in the pool of Shalom. And so this man goes and he washes and he washes the mud out of his eyes and he washes the mud out of his eyes. His eyes begin to see for the first time in his life. A transforming moment. And he goes back to his hometown and people don't recognize him. And they ask him, aren't you the man that was born blind? He's like, yes. And, and they go to his family, like, isn't this your son? And they say, yes. And then they go to the religious leaders and the religious leaders are angry. Why? Because this man was healed on the Sabbath. He was healed on the day they weren't supposed to work. And because they saw this as work that he was healed, this was sin. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they patrolled the people, they patrolled the temple, making sure no sin could enter in. No people that were unworthy could enter into the place of worship. And so they call this young man's parents and they, they say, hey, is this your son who healed him? And they said, don't ask us, ask him. He's of age. He's an adult. He can speak for himself. And there was this fear inside of them that they would be ostracized or put out from the temple as well. And so this man's been healed. And even though he's been healed, he starts to be accused by the religious leaders. He's even disowned by his parents in this moment. And he tells them, it was Jesus, the Messiah, that healed me. And at this, the religious leaders became angry and they banned him from the temple. They banned him from the place of worship. And in this moment, what you would expect to be this man who had been ostracized from the temple because of his sin 
is now healed, yet because of who healed him and when he healed him, he's pushed out from the place of worship, the place of cultural importance, the place of community once again. We call that pain. We call that trauma. We call that difficulty. And he's in this place and and, and they come to Jesus and, and the religious leaders are in a little bit of a conundrum because their belief was he was blind because of sin. But now he's healed and it was sinful to heal him. It can't be both. You can't be blind in punishment for sin and be healed because of sin. And now they're caught in this juxtaposition of their own beliefs. Jesus is publicly calling them out. And so they want to kill Jesus. That's their answer. We'll just kill Jesus. We'll just take care of this problem. And we'll just live with this conundrum of beliefs that we've created that keep people out. And so in this mess of anger, confusion, and pain, Jesus gives this clear invitation to a different way a different way of living. And here's kind of the big idea for today, that Jesus is the only pathway to experience life to the full. Jesus is the only pathway to experience life to the full. In this moment of confusion and anger and hostility, there's a miracle in the midst of them. And Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. And as soon as he would have said this, there would have been this image picture that came up that doesn't come to ours. I drove from Puyallup to Tacoma. I looked for sheep. The closer I got to this campus, the less I expected to find it. I doubt there's many people in this room that live in this area that raise sheep. I mean, it's a little bit foreign to us, but in Jesus's time, in this moment, it would have been common. And in every town, there would have been a sheep pen that they had created as shepherds traveled in different areas that they could have brought the sheep into at night. And they would have hired someone to watch over the sheep. But many times they were out in the hills and in the fields grazing. And so they would take rocks and they would stack them and they would make this enclosure. And it would have one opening, one way in. And one way out. And the shepherd's job was then to be the gate of that sheep pen. And they would place their body in between the two posts. And they would be the gates on watch at night. That way no predators could come in through them. And no sheep could move out away from them. And so this brings us to this point and and maybe one of the most controversial statements and, and hard things in our day, but it's this, that Jesus is the only means by which people are saved. The only means by which people are saved. In verse nine, he says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and he will go out and find pasture. A gate is an access point between a barrier. It's the place to enter in to a new place. And Jesus, when he's saying, I am the gate, he's offering us an access point from this world of death, this world of pain, and this world of sin into new life with him, into fullness of life, into salvation. And Jesus doesn't say he is a gate. He doesn't say he's one of many gates. He claims to be the only gate to break through the barrier of sin and for our lives to be able to enter into eternal life. And he summarizes it in John 10 this way. I am the only way. I am the only way. 
I am your only option. I am the only access point to experience life and life abundantly. And this imagery of him being the shepherd and and protecting and also leading in and out of that pen speaks to his provision and protection for our lives. And Jesus claiming to be the singular pathway is is one of the hardest and most offensive statements in our modern culture. People like to believe there's many ways to God. Just live life the way you want and you'll end up with him. That's contrary and in conflict with Jesus' claims, both in John 10 and throughout Scripture. Yet he calls anyone who tries to enter by another way some harsh terms, a thief and a robber. And these religious leaders were standing there and he knew he he was directing those words directly at them. They were shot straight across the bow. And scripture says this, I truly tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but tries to climb in some other way is a thief and a robber. There's no other way. And if you try or believe that there's a different way to God, you stand in opposition to what Jesus says and he calls you a thief and a robber. Why? Because human wisdom and human understanding doesn't lead to the fullness of life that God has. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. There is one gate to salvation, and his name is Jesus. We also see in the story that Jesus invites people in who others have pushed out. Jesus' statement is an open invitation for all people to enter into this new Eden, this new perfection through him. The religious leaders had turned themselves into gatekeepers. The Pharisees were gatekeepers in their culture, making a list of things that people had to measure up to before they were allowed in. The moment you didn't measure up to that anymore, you were pushed out. You were excluded. You were less than worthy. They were focused on keeping people out, and they missed the miracle. And they missed the miracle worker. And Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. A thief is simply someone who takes something from you. A robber is someone who takes it by force and they cause harm to you or or what they're taking it from. And the man who was born blind was not blind because of his or his parents' sin. Neither were true. But his physical disability made him a social and religious outcast. And his healing was questioned and not celebrated. Because he was healed on the Sabbath, And he was banned once again. Church, can I remind you, Life Center, we are not meant to be gatekeepers. We are sheep. All of us are sheep. Even myself as as a pastor, I'm a sheep in shepherd's clothing. I'm a sheep. We are all sheep following the good shepherd. And the way in is exclusive. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. But the invitation is broad. It's to every sheep, to every person, no matter what you look like, no matter how you came into this place, wherever you're joining us from the line, the invitation is for you to experience a new life and a full life through Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the gate that doesn't keep you out, but welcomes you in. And some of you may have even encountered someone, someone who said they believed in Jesus, who said they were claiming to follow his way, maybe a friend, a church leader, relative, and they've said things to you, they've done things to you that harmed you, that marked you, 
that made you feel less than worthy. Can I remind you today, the voice of Jesus is still calling out to you, saying, come in through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus' kingdom is not designed to be constrictive, but protective. And even some of you in here, you've been wondering what giving your life to Jesus will look like, and you haven't made that step yet because you know it's going to cost change. You know it's going to cost a different way of living, a different way of talking, a different way of loving, and how you use your time, energy, and money. And so you've held off. I just don't know if it's worth it. But here's the thing. God's plan, his community, his laws, his rules, they're not to constrict your life and choke it out of you. It's to protect you so that you can enjoy the fullness of life he has for you. Because here's the thing about sheep. They wander. Here's the thing about people. You wander. Without God's way, without his law, without his love, you will pursue your own fleshly desires and it will lead you to places you never wanted to be and keep you there longer than you ever wanted to stay. Sheep wander into ditches, into pain, into predators. And Jesus calls you sheep not because you're dumb. I know some of you have heard that in church before. Well, sheep are dumb. Jesus doesn't call you sheep because he thinks you're dumb. He calls you sheep because he knows you will wander. You will stray. That you will go towards your flesh instead of being controlled by your spirit. But God's parameters, his law, his way is not to limit you. It's to protect you in a way that allows you to flourish and flourish for a lifetime. So to guard your life, you need to remain in him and have the life that he has for you in the full. Because each of us, left to our own way and our own desires, you'll wander places you were never meant to be in moments you were never supposed to be there and make decisions that cost you not only in this moment, but in the days, weeks, and months to come. And so sometimes people wander in and out of church. I've been a pastor now for a while and I see that and whenever I see someone, I'm like, man, we haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, things just got busy. Man, there's been a lot going on. Man, we're so glad we're back. And then they began to tell you the list of how things have fallen apart in the time that they've been wandering. People wander in and out of relationships hoping that the next one will solve the challenges and deficiencies you feel within your own soul. People wander back to repetitive sin, things that have got a hold of our life, but because they're familiar, we go back to them easily instead of living in the freedom that Jesus has for us. And you may be seeking the best life, this good life that Jesus offers, yet you, find, you continually find yourself empty, longing for more. But Jesus' invitation is to be the gate, to be the way in, to inside his salvation, care, and protection is everything you need. And everything you need to have a full and fulfilling life. And so the invitation is for you, it's for me, to enter in through him. And but pastor, what about the change that needs to happen in people? Okay, Pharisee, you're getting into the things. You're getting into being a gatekeeper. Remember, you are a sheep. You're not a gatekeeper. And the beauty is when Jesus invites you in, everything that has hindered us has to stay on the outside anyways. And that's where his love and grace transforms us. 
And so we submit to a new way of living, a new way of loving, and a new way of serving. And it's no longer about me, but it's about Christ who lives inside of me and is leading me daily. You will also follow the voices that you are most familiar with. You'll follow the voices that you're most familiar with. When I started in pastoring, I started in Walla Walla and I was a youth pastor and my first big event with the students was winter camp. We were taking them up to a little town called Chewila, which is in Northeast Washington. It was five hours away and I promised them snow. I'm not God nor a weatherman, just a person of faith. But if we're going to have winter camp, you got to have snow. And so I promised them snow. And as we drove to the camp, we got there and there was three feet of snow. You ever make a promise and God just overly blessed it? That was like this moment. And, and so we pull in, like, like, Pastor Tyler, what do we do? I said, well, we can take our stuff into the cabins. We can go into the lodge, check it out. Or we can grab the inner tubes and go tubing unanimous. We grab the inner tubes in the clothes we traveled in and we jump up on the hill and we just start tubing, having fun. I have a big wipeout. There's snow everywhere. Everyone's laughing. And I stand up, check all my pockets. I no longer have the church van keys. Somewhere on that hill, they fell out of my pocket into three feet of snow. We're five hours away from our church. I call my pastor. Hey, anyone happen to be driving up to Chewila in the next three days? Sweet old lady in our church said, I will. She drove the keys up, brought them to us. For seven years, I pastored there. There wasn't a week, there wasn't a joke about church van keys. But that Tuesday morning, I walk into church in my office and our secretary finds me and she's weeping. She's like, Tyler, there's a message on the church answering machine and I don't know what to do. So I walk into the church office and I hit play and the message says something like this. Hey, this is Craig. I'm from the Chewila Ski Resort Ski Patrol. We heard about your lost keys and we had just got a brand new St. Bernard that's an avalanche dog that's designed to find people and help us locate people when they've been in distress and covered by an avalanche. We heard about your keys and thought this would be a good chance for us to use our dog in real life training. And so that dog, he got the scent and he went up the hill and he found a spot and he just started digging and he just started digging and he started digging. He was so excited and he dug and he dug and then he fell over dead. And as we got up to him, we realized that he had dug so fast, so hard that his navel cavity had filled with snow. It froze and he suffocated to death. He said, we've put a lot of time, money, and energy into training this dog. We're asking the church to pay $40,000 to cover the cost of replacement and training for this dog. And Sally is weeping. She is weeping. She's crying. And he says, so if you can call me back and leaves his phone number and, and the phone hangs up and she looks at me and she says, Tyler, what are you going to do? I said, Sally, I'm going to call my dad and tell him prank calls at the church are not okay. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, that was my dad. She asked this, when did you know that was your dad? Said the moment I heard his voice. 
because I'd heard that voice my whole life. I had been in the car when he had prank called other people. I had been in church when he preached every Sunday. I had been in car rides as we talked. I had been on the sports fields as he cheered me on. I had been in his presence over and over again that his voice was unmistakable in that moment. To Sally, that voice was a stranger. And because it was a stranger's voice, she was susceptible to believe what that stranger said. Verse three, the gatekeeper opens forth and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought them all outside, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they, they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away. They will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Life Center, my prayer for you and for me is that this church would know the voice of God so clearly and so authoritatively in a world full of strange voices that the voice of God would speak above them and would speak clearly and that you would follow him. That you would run away from the voice of strangers. There's two types of shepherds that would take place in, in, in this time. And the first would be the driving shepherd. The shepherd that would come behind the sheep and he would use, use his staff and he would use his authority and he would use his force to push them in the direction he wants to go. The other is the leading shepherd. The shepherd who would go out before the sheep, who would lead the way and who would call them by name and say, come, follow me. There were other shepherds because the sheep would be mixed in in these communal pens and they would come and they'd try to imitate another shepherd's voice. They would try to seduce the sheep to follow them and, and enlarge their flock. And Jesus is warning people about this. So how do you learn to know the voice of God? Some of you are sitting here like, I don't know his voice at all. The first is through his word. His word will declare to you who he is, what he's about, his passions for you, the way he wants you to live and the way he loves you. The second is by being in his presence. There's no other way to know someone's voice by being in their presence. I mean, when Anson's up here singing and he starts leaning and he gets that right hand, you know Anson's voice, you're familiar with him. When Eric Bull starts preaching, and his voice starts getting into those high octaves. And it's like the Lion King in church. You're like, Mufasa, ooh, say it again. You know, it's that moment. It's when Pastor Andy's preaching and he's just pouring out wisdom. And you're like, man, I'm just so much, so much better because of this. And then he starts to cry. And it's like the giant spiritual hug you didn't know you needed that day. When Pastor Tyler's preaching and, and he's saying something and he gets to that part that's really convicting. And you're like, Pastor Tyler, that's a little harsh. That hurt a little bit. And then he puts his left foot forward. He leans in. He turns. He says, Life Center, I love you. You know, it's that moment that like, like you become familiar with their voice by being in the presence. You will know God's voice as you commit your life to being in his word and being in his presence. And until you learn to discern that voice, be like a baby sheep and cling to someone who does and says, where you go, I'm going with you. That's why the apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. 
And we live in a culture that's all about leadership and leadership values and the kingdom of God. The greatest leader you can be is by following Jesus. And the closer you are to following him, the more he will elevate you. We live in a world of confusing voices. And Jesus says, run away from the stranger's voice. The enemy is using many voices in our culture, in our media, in our philosophy, in our science, in our politics, in our nationalism to seduce people away from the voice of God. He wants our children and our teenagers to be more familiar with his voice than the voice in this world. Yet there is one who calls you by name and he invites you to follow him, to know that voice and follow him. And we all need to be better followers of Jesus' voice than we are leaders. Because when we get that upside down, we will be prone to wander. I'm going to close with this thought. Receive Jesus, not for what he might give you, but for who he might be to you. That's the invitation. He says, I am the gate Receive me, not for what I might give to you, but for who I might be to you. Jesus had just performed a miracle. A man who had been blind from birth could see for the first time. And he wasn't offering physical sight for everyone that was there. He was offering a new way of life, a new way of living, and a way to enter in for those that had been pushed out. And these statements leave us with a decision. Who is Jesus and who will he be to you? Today, the invitation as he stands says, I am the gate. I am the access point. I am the way to the life you've always wanted, to the life that you've longed and yearned for, to life you've tried to achieve through other means or your own success or your own pursuits, but those were just wanderings. And today he invites you in. It's a choice to choose him above all else and let him lead you. And today he calls you by name. It's an invitation to enter in and follow him. You see, when I was younger, I used to pray God, to God for things. God, I need peace. I want you to give me peace. God, I need protection. God, I need provision. What I've learned now is he is those things. He is my provider. He is my portion. He is my shelter. He is my refuge. Those aren't things he gives me. That's who he is. That's who he is. And as I follow his voice, as I follow his leading, as I don't wander, but I listen to the voice of God, I'm committed to following this God. I have those things because I have Jesus. The gate, the one, the shepherd, who would lay between two posts to protect the sheep at night was raised on two posts, on a cross at a place called Golgotha. And the stakes were driven through his arms. And in his last words, he cried out and says, it is finished. The gate is open for all. The gate is open for you. The gate is open for me. Enter in through Jesus and Jesus alone to receive life and life to the full. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. 
God, I thank you that when we understand who you are, it gives us purpose in who we are supposed to be. So Jesus says, your sheep, we have a decision today. Will we wander or will we enter in? Will we listen to the strange voices in this world and live in confusion and self-doubt and self-worthlessness? Or will we choose your voice above all else, above all others? We're left with that decision right here and right now. For some of you today, whether you're in this room or you're joining us online, today's the day you're choosing to enter in through the gate. You're ready to make that decision, trusting in Jesus that you're moving from death, death to sin, death to your ways, death to your thinking, and you're moving into new life in Jesus. If you're ready to make that commitment, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And church is a sign that no one's in this alone. Would you echo this prayer? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being the gate for me. Today, I choose you to enter into the life you have for me. I confess my sin and I declare you are Lord. Help me to learn your voice and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate those that have made that decision? On your connection card, on the screen's a QR code. We each have a next step. If you said yes to Jesus today, I would encourage you to check that. We wanna help you learn to follow his voice. For the rest of us, maybe you're wandering. Maybe you've been doing things your own way and today's the day that says, no, I will follow the good shepherd. I will know his voice. I will be in his presence and I will follow him all the days of my life. At the end of this gathering, we'll have a chance to pray with anyone that needs prayer, but we love you greatly.